Hello, it's Richard Herring here. Welcome to my podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. And my stand-up tour is about to begin. Can I have my ball back? First stand-up tour in six years. Many of you just know me from the podcast. Don't know, I've done 14 or 15 stand-up tours in my own right. I'm a brilliant stand-up comedian. And can I have my ball back? I think it's my best show ever. That's what the audiences are saying. It's about testicular cancer, but it's funny because testicles are funny, even though cancer isn't. Uh, I'm really pleased with it. I'd love you to come and see it. Bring your friends. Some of the shows selling really well. Some of them selling really badly. It's a traditional Richard Herring tour. But here's where I'm going to be. 2nd of May, Thursday at the Luton Hat Factory. It's a small venue, but there are still tickets left. 3rd of May, I'm at the Berry Hedge End, which is near Southampton. That's looking more full, but still some availability. 8th of May, I'm at the Leicester Square Theatre. There's about 10 tickets left for that one, though I am back at the Leicester Square Theatre in June. And then I'm at St Albans on the 9th, Gloucester on the 10th. Chorley Little Theatre on the 11th, that's sold out, but you can join the waiting list. And then the 12th of May, I'm at Glasgow, afternoon show sold out. Evening show, extra show, put on, still with tickets. And then there's lots more. Go to richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs. And now enjoy whatever podcast I've given you. It's free. It's all for you. If you want to pay me back, buy a book, come and see a show. That's all I've got to say to you. Love you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to bankrupt Birmingham Town Hall. They're turning the lights off any second. Please welcome a man who's about to present the third biggest Rahalastar buy of his life. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, Birmingham. Fantastic. Third, third biggest one. The second biggest one was also in this room. There was also another one that would have been in this room that we cancelled that would have been bigger. Glasgow beat you. Bad luck. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's London Sucks Testicles podcast. We're on tour. We're starting the first day of the tour. Uh, though I was... Uh, I was I was hanging around at uh, Drop Shop Digbeth uh, the other day with the actor Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, you know her, uh, drinking £6.50 cocktails and thinking, how the fuck are they this cheap? <laughs> Birmingham's the best place in the world. 
uh, and testing our strength in arcade boxing games. That's literally what, that's what she was doing. That's what happens if you break up with someone. Uh, anyway, if you break up from a Jonas brother, uh, she calls it Rahalastapa. So that, and that was topical when we recorded this podcast. So... <laughs> um, uh, it's lovely to be in Birmingham absolutely fantastic to be here um, uh, I will be around after the show I'll just say this quickly I'm in the foyer I'm, I've got some books and DVDs we'll uh, mention them later there's also some programs there if you want to take one you're welcome to do so you can make a donation to uh, Scope if you like um, but uh, lovely to be here in Birmingham uh, and uh, uh, yeah I, I was looking up online uh, some facts about Birmingham to surprise myself I found a couple of websites 26 facts about Birmingham 26 <laughs> at the end of it it says if you can think of any other facts email us <laughs> I mean I think Birmingham you know joking aside it's all right <laughs> some of it's quite good I think I could come up with 26 better facts uh, fact two this is the second one Birmingham has the biggest public library in Europe. That is, that is, you're proud of yourselves, are you? That's the second best thing. Um, Fact nine, you can get to 90% of the UK from Birmingham in under four hours. Uh, And if you're in Birmingham, you'll want to do that. The better fact is that if you're in Birmingham, you can be out of Birmingham in one hour. Keep driving to 90%. Fact four, the anchor of the Titanic was built in the black country. It's not Birmingham, no, is it? And it's not the bit people talk about, is it? It's the one bit of the Titanic that got no use, is that? I don't know. Anyone thought, let's put this... <laughs> um, Fifteen, there's a crater on the moon called Birmingham. Not a fact about Birmingham. Uh, the popular fact about Birmingham... <laughs> that you'll hear a lot, is there's more canals in Birmingham than there is in Venice. There's a hundred miles of canals. You know the fact, nobody's going to Venice because it's got a lot of long canals. That's not, it's not the length of the canals. It's where they are and what's around them. And the fact there's nothing but canals. It's not impressive, just have a lot of canals. Um, and uh, is there anything else I've got for you, um, uh, the world's largest single-floor critical care units in Birmingham. <laughs> Which must be the worst fact I've ever seen. The places and people of Birmingham inspired Lord of the Rings. Not something you should be proud about. You should keep that quiet. Uh, and, of course, gaslighting, street gaslighting, was discovered here in Birmingham. That redundant lighting format. Uh, so, uh, look, we're well done, Birmingham. You're fantastic. Uh, it, uh, look, I hope you sort out your problems. I hope. So. I hope. Uh, I'm going to donate some of the money tonight to Birmingham Town Council. I hope uh, Sophie uh, Turner sorts out her problems. She's. Uh, she did say uh, she's a 27-year-old making up for her lost youth. Right, let's move on. We've got fantastic guests for you tonight and next week as well. If you hang around till next week, the next week's show is going to be great as well. Uh, this week's guest is probably best known for playing for West Bromwich Dartford cricket team in the Birmingham and District Premier League. That's why we're here. 
We're going to talk exclusively about that. Will you please welcome the multi-talented, unbelievable Adil Ray, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Adil Ray. From, he's from Birmingham. <laughs> he should be on the list. Adil Ray's from Birmingham. He's, he's better than some gas street lighting, isn't he? I can't believe you did the canals one. <laughs> Everyone comes to Birmingham and does the more canals than Venice. Yeah. Because it's because it's, it's, it's in your fact. There's a new one now. We've What's got more that? mosques than Baghdad. <laughs> it's true. It's true, actually. It's a sad story. <laughs> Good. Uh, tell us about. Look, I mean, I said to you backstage, having researched you today, if there wasn't proof of. <laughs> yeah, just today. Just today. I knew a lot about you, but I didn't know all about you. But yeah. if 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 someone had told me that they'd done all the things you'd done. Uh, and it wasn't, there wasn't any proof of it, I would just assume they were lying. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was a cricketer, then I became a DJ, then I thought, oh, I'll do it, I'll write a sitcom, uh, then I'll be on the radio, and then I, it's just like, unbel- and you'd sort of succeed in all these things. Tell us about your cricketing career. Really? First of all, yeah. How, <laughs> how was it playing for West Bromwich? Um, actually, I loved it, actually. Yeah. I, I thought I, I was going to be Imran Khan. I yeah. tried to grow my hair long at the time as well, like Imran Khan. I mean, you know, it's... As a British Pakistani growing up, you know, our dads weren't cool, our uncles weren't cool, and suddenly Imran Khan comes along, you're like, bloody hell, what's that? You know, <laughs> uh, so that was the reason I really wanted to play cricket. My, my room was full of Imran Khan posters. It was a bit weird looking back, actually, to be honest. I actually interviewed him. I went to, I went to Pakistan to interview many, many years later in 2005, just after he divorced Jemima Khan, and it was okay. quite sad. And yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he was living in the lounge, and there was a bed there, and he'd look, we got there about 10 in the morning, and he'd just woken up. And he says, uh, would you mind, i just go and wash up. I'll be back. Right? And I was such a fan. There he was in his bed, and it was unmade. I just had to go over and stroke <laughs> the mattress. You should have taken him to Drop Shop Digbeth. They, uh, there's six, six pound fifty, six pound fifty for cocktails there. That's the way to go of your marriage. Did you play Imran Khan? Have you played him in some? No, of, uh, no so that was the other Imran Khan. Oh, that's, that's the lawyer Imran oh, okay. Khan. I thought, in, it, I in, thought uh, it was no. unlikely to be. There's more than one Imran Khan, okay. you know, Richard. Honestly. I thought it was unlikely because of what, the, what it was in. I thought, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was in uh, Stephen, the yeah, uh, Stephen ITV Lawrence, drama, Stephen yeah. Lawrence, which was incredible to play Imran Khan yeah, in that yeah. as well. Terrific. He Good. was handsome as well. They're all quite was, handsome, the yeah. Imran Khans. Yeah. And you, oh, that's, a, you know, that's you showing off. That you've got a, <laughs> who's the most handsome Muslim guy we can find? The bloke from Citizen Khan. Oh, he's not anything like it. In real, he doesn't look like that in real life. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, look, this, what, it's, what, it's just like a remarkable career because you've, you've just... Everything, and, and you, you've, everything you've turned your hand to, you've sort of succeeded at. And I don't, well, and I can't, and I was saying backstage, I can't think of anybody who could present a, a daytime brilliant quiz show, could be to do political interviews on Good Morning Britain, uh, could do a sitcom uh, and act with Judy Dench. I don't think there's anyone who. Yeah, but you're, you're missing straddled. one key fact. I'm Asian, we have four jobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we all do. Uh, my dad did. He was a bus driver and he was the secure homes man as well, you know. So. Uh, no, but look, uh, there is a bit of truth in that, really. I, it is self-preservation. Yeah. It's a little bit of, you know, GMB, uh, you know, how many dates are they going to give me? I don't know. So 
I'll say to my agent, oh, can we try and get a quiz show? And, you know, so, and actually, there's, as you know, in this business, there's lots of stuff that people don't know that you don't get, that you try for, yeah. and you just got to put they, yourself I up. Do, I do tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you do know, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. get anything. Yeah. That's what you think I'm doing this shit for. Yeah. You could play Mr. Khan. We were, you got the beard already, yeah? yeah? You got the beard, just a little yeah. bit of... Do you think I might get into trouble for doing that? <laughs> If we recast that, we came back. I'd like to I'm see. Going, I mean, I've got permission <laughs> from Adil to do the voice. Go on, do I the voice. We all want to hear. Do, do the voice. Come on. I don't, do the voice. Shall I get cancelled right at the just start? Just try and do the voice. <laughs> I came to Birmingham. <laughs> I don't do voices. Uh, uh, I don't, I, actually, I, I do do. Uh, it. I would make him. I'd make him uh, Scottish. Um, <laughs> Which would probably add. If, if, well, he's still an immigrant, isn't he? So, if, I, but, yeah. if I make him Welsh, it'll actually come out pretty <laughs> accurate, to be fair. So, with my rendition, with that's, that's a dig at my own ability to do accents. Oh, I've been cancelled. All right, it's something else. But the good thing about me being cancelled, you could get cancelled, Adil. I can't get cancelled because, you know, I employ myself. Oh. <laughs> I don't, they go to the boss, you have to they cancel go. Yourself. Yeah, he said this. I go, yeah, yeah. what can you do? <laughs> He literally does do everything. He called me to book this. He's booked my taxi. Everything. I mean, you kind of, that's very good. Well, you know. Although it was herring cars on the side of the taxi, I noticed. <laughs> um, look, tell us about growing up in Birmingham. Like, you are a, a bona fide, born and bred Birmingham guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just love this city. It's a, it's a great city. It's sort of formed absolutely every bit of my character. It's, you know, it's a great, you know, I'm. I used to live in Yardley, you know, and then went to school in Handsworth, so I had to get this hour-long two buses into Handsworth. You see every single person, every different type of person in, in Birmingham in that, in that one hour, and, and, and I think that kind of formed everything I wanted to do in terms of telling my own individual story amongst that. You know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a great place. Have you, have you been out and about yet? Have you, where have you been? Uh, I've, I, I always go to Mr Egg. Yes. Uh, I... Uh... See, now, I think, I think Mr. Egg should take over the council. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Mr. Egg's been going on for bloody years. And it's changed ownership. They've never gone bankrupt. And now I think it's a Chinese now. Is that right? Yeah, they've changed it. it oh, hang changed. on. We don't want China taking over the council, do we? Maybe. <laughs> that could be, it could be interesting. Could be. Yeah. Uh, no, well, I know, you know, I've come to Birmingham a fair deal. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, but your upbringing is very interesting and, and probably very representative of... What, what Birmingham is great for, I think, now is it does feel like a community that, on the whole, we've got all the different communities there, but they're all living side by side fairly peacefully. It wasn't always the case. Yeah, it certainly wasn't the case. You know, I, I grew up in National Front Yardley. Yeah. Um, and my mum my actually decided we want, she wanted to live in a white area because we had a very big Asian family and she, she was from East Africa, Kenya. Same place that Swala Braveman is from, by the way. We can get on to that. Uh, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and she, she sort of said to my dad, who was from Pakistan, said, look, let's live in this white area because, they'll, they'll, uh, you know, the kids will make white friends and, and they'll get a bit more of a, of a broad experience of the city. Uh, but I think within a, a year, I think there was a brick went through our front window, missed my head by about a couple of inches, and yeah. mum was changing my nappy, and then we... Mum said, right, we are moving from Yard this road in Yardley. Dad says, yes, shall we go to Small Heath? And my cousin's eye says, she says, no, we'll move to a nicer road in Yardley. So, <laughs> uh, so we moved to a slightly nicer road. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I have lived through all of that. And, and, yes, things are very different now. We don't have... 
the National Front. We, you know, there are still some people who who have extreme views. But I would still say Birmingham's got a long way to go. I mean, you know, yeah. I think there are there are areas in this city that, uh, you know, if you think places like Aston and Annam Rock, and even you know, places like you go to Willie Castle, and there are there are pockets in this in this city that still don't experience a city like I think we 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 should and they should, and and there isn't as, as you know, we're not as close knit as I think as we can be, and that's always sort of in the back of my mind when I'm on that in that chair at Good Morning Britain or writing Citizen Khan. It's to try and continually send that message of bringing everyone together you know yeah and i think that's that's a really important thing yeah good yeah. well i think so yeah. too and you know it, and birmingham does you know birmingham is an easy place it's luckily for a comedian very easy place to take the piss out of but <laughs> but it is you know it is this amazing and it, and it, it it's a big city it's an important city it's got the well, biggest just, library just be careful, in yeah, the asian brothers are outside yeah <laughs> they're just outside yeah but it is you know there is something it is sort of where you walk, you walk around and you think there's, there's elements of this city that are, you know, feel like you're in the 1970s, 1980s still, even in the centre, and then there's more modern bits. It is sort of unusual as a city. Well, I, I've always said Birmingham is a microcosm of the country, right? Yeah. It, it literally is. I mean, it's a million people. It's one of the biggest cities in the country, and, and it's, it's so incredibly diverse. I think there's a stat. I think we're the youngest city in Europe now, I think. I think it's something like 40% of the city are under the age of 35 or something. That was one of the facts in my uh, facts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's incredible. So, but it does mean, therefore, with that, you're going to get the great stuff. There's some great artists and creativity coming out of the city, which is fantastic. The, you know, the restaurant scene and the independent um, retail scene is booming. It's had difficulties, but it's still there. And, yeah. you know, look at places like in Mosley and King's Heath. It's just, they're just booming. All right, I thought I mentioned them really quickly. <laughs> Uh, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, but at the same time, when you've got a, a young city, there's going to be problems as well. So, you know, but I, I always say, you know, you, if you get a city like Birmingham right, you'll get the country right. And it always annoys me that, you know, so many people outside of Birmingham who are in such crucial positions don't come to the city and take a look around and, and learn from it. Really. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and the city's gone bankrupt, so... Yeah, well... So if we get Birmingham right... Yeah, so exactly. Uh-oh. Well, well, but they took the eye off it. They came, you know, some of them from London, they came in their suits when the Commonwealth Games was around. They wanted to sit on the committee then. Yeah. Uh, but we, haven't, we don't hardly see them the rest of the time, and it's sort of slightly ignored. So I think, you know, I think there's a lesson there. I mean, and look, it's not just Birmingham. We know there's other councils as well, just to make a serious point. Okay. There. You know, there are other councils suffering. But. but I think, you know, it would be better, given that you can get to 90% of uh, the UK from Birmingham in four hours, it would be better if... Parliament was in Birmingham, right? I mean, that, well, that's, just a re- sense. that's a really good sense. point. Yes, yeah. yes, we could have it in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah where would it be? St Andrews. Get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think it's a good point. I think yeah. it's great. But we know there's, there's, there's so much investment in this city now as well. We talk about Chinese, but they've just massive investment with Chinese. The Saudis, the Middle East are investing. Hey, maybe the Saudis could take over the council. That'd be interesting. Although it won't be Birmingham. Uh, it'll, they'll lose the ham, won't they? So it'll just be Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. so, I mean, politics isn't something you've uh, done in your, I don't think, in your long career yet. Is that something, this is no. quite, this feels like, uh, like no. a politician's speech no, about mayor asked. of Birmingham. No, it's not that. I think, I think <laughs> some of us have got, a, a, you know, without having to get into politics, have got a more important role to play outside of it yeah. and to keep, and it's, it's a better way of keeping the politicians accountable, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the track record of British Asians who've gone on to become politicians, it's not great, is it, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a can of worms. We, we may open it later. We may open it later. Um, 
I was, I was quite interested in the, um, in the genesis of uh, Citizen Khan because it's, we'd, people might not know this. I think I did know this at the back of my mind, yeah. but it started uh, in Bellamy's People, right? That was the first time you, you yeah. did that character. And so uh, Paul Whitehouse and Charlie Higson had, you know, were, were sort of not behind the character, but were very helpful in your group. That's right. And, I, and actually, it was just amazing. I mean, I was, I was working at the BBC Asian Network, which is a, a radio station which set up here, in, right here in Birmingham. Just, I was at Pebble Mill and we moved to the mailbox. And, and I was at Pebble Mill at the time and I contacted the BBC saying, look, I'm doing these characters on the radio. It was B- Danny Cohen, actually, who was at BBC Three. That, and then he said, look, speak to the casting director, Tracy Gillum. And then uh, she sort of listened to the stuff, and I didn't hear anything for about a year. And then I got a call, and I actually thought it was a wind-up. I thought somebody was winding me up, saying, oh, Paul Whitehouse and Charlie Higson would like to see you for this thing called Bellamy's People. Would you yeah. want to come and do some characters? And I generally thought it was a wind-up. I said, listen, you have to send me an email. I don't believe this. <laughs> you know? and, but, you know, Tracy did. And, uh, yeah, I went down on the train, and... I actually thought of some of the characters on the train down. and then right. it did, Yeah, because I realised my characters that I was doing on the Asian Network were very much serving the Asian audience at the time. Um, and I thought, oh, God, will, will this work? And then sort of started to think of a few other things that I wanted to do and sort of make them a bit broader. And, and luckily for me, Paul and Charlie, Paul was on, literally on the floor and it was great. Right. I was like, oh, God, this is great. Yeah. And, and su- they are such, such lovely people. I mean, yeah. they are, you yeah. know, I've, I've met They haven't paid me for Bellamy's people okay. yet, but they are lovely people. Fair yeah. I mean, it, no, is, it does feel like they, you know, there's, there's a few of those guys who, do, who, who are selfless in, in terms of they're, they're happy to be there to help yeah, other people because create. As, as you know, if you, go and do, if you go and do a character on somebody else's show, it's their yeah. show... Technically, they own the show. They can actually own the rights of the character yeah. if they want to. And they made it very clear to myself. And there was Robert Popper who went on to do Friday Night Dinner. Daniel Kaluuya, who's now, you know, really? a big film star. Yeah. He was in it as well, you know. So, um, and he made, they made it very clear that this is your stuff. Don't worry, but just come in and do it and then, and then off you go, you know. Yeah. So that, that was great. That know? is good. Yeah. I, I created Alan Partridge and I don't get any, I don't get any of the... <laughs> Don't get any of the money. I was thinking when I heard you talking about this, and I was thinking, God, if only the the reason we ended up not coming to TV with from on writing on the outer that was because we didn't get any rights for the characters. Um, And I was just thinking about the alternate reality where we just got like two percent of Alan Partridge. (laughs) I I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be doing it. I mean, I'd probably be dead from (laughs) just going going crazy uh, with all the money. But uh, it would have been nice. (laughs) There's an alternate universe out there. Can you do the voice? Uh, yeah, pro- I mean, I'm, I'm sort of am Alan Partridge now. Okay. I, sort of, I, I, I mean, the, the tragedy of the tragedy of all those young people who came up with that thing. I mean, Steve is really Alan Partridge. Yeah, he is. Uh, and uh, yeah, he actually is a bit, isn't he, Steve? Yeah. yeah. I, I was with him in, in Stephen, and he sort of when you watch him, and you, he's got those mannerisms already, hasn't he? The fidgety stuff and yeah. the up and down and the slightly random conversations. It's a bit, there's a bit of partridge in it, isn't it? So. Yeah. I think so. Um, and so Citizen Khan, incredibly successful and like, and sort of, it became sort of mainstream very, very quickly, which is, you know, it's impressive because you might think, oh, this, this is going to appeal to the community, or, but you deliberately made it as a, you know, as, a, as something that would, that would have broad appeal, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing for me always was, you know, I, I, you sort of don't want to sort of broadcast in a vacuum and you, you want as many people as possible to listen and watch what, to what you do, you know. And 
And really, the, the, the thing that it came from actually was, was 9-11. 9-11 changed a lot for, for, for Muslims. I mean, before that, people didn't really know who Muslims were. You just had an Asian mate, and you didn't know, was he Muslim, Sikh, or Hindu? After 9-11, we all got asked, you know. Yeah. So were you a Muslim then? You know, and all, so suddenly, Muslim, we had to start identifying ourselves as Muslims. And, and then you'd say, Mr. Khan came from that. I remember watching local BBC Midlands today and it was you know war going on in Iraq and they've sent you know a lovely local presenter out to outside a mosque in Aston you know go and get some of you know some color from from there get some yeah. you know from the community and I think she literally found the guy with the longest beard <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it seemed to be at the time it was always the guys with the beards <laughs> and me and my mum were watching go why are they talking to him? <laughs> we avoid the guys with the beards. <laughs> we all know that. Um, but so they found this guy with the beard, and he, he happened to put a suit, wearing a suit, so that's a win, you know. So he sits there, and then sort of she asks him, well, what do you think about, you know, the, the Iraq war? And he says something juicy, like, well, I think we should hang Tony Blair in Leicester yeah. Square. You know, <laughs> you know and she's like... Wow, really? That's great. Can you tell us more? You know, <laughs> and, I, and I imagine they get to the cutting room floor in the edit and they go, well, this guy's amazing. We've got to use him. But who the hell was he? We can't just say, you know, Mr. Calm. Well, what, how do we describe him? So, well, he said he was talking for the community. So, well, well, I will, we'll call him a community leader. You know, and he's, he's just gone out for a pint of milk. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes home. By the time he gets home, he's on the telly. And he's, you know, his daughter's going, Dad, you're on the telly? He goes, bloody amazing, turn it up, you know. <laughs> so suddenly community leaders were born. And that's yeah. what I just love, that idea of sort of, you know, that Mr. Calm finding his 15 minutes of fame. And then, and then you sort of tie that up into the great big, you know, great British com comedy characters, whether that's faulty or you know, Del Boy, and I'm not comparing Khan to that, but the, the idea is that they're all punching up, they're sort of, you know, trying to be a higher status than they are, and you put that yeah. into Khan, and suddenly you've got something that everyone can appeal to. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard you say that uh, Ron Atkinson particularly is a yeah. big influence on you, Gosh. but... Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, growing up as a kid, I, I, I used to wash my cousin's car when I was about 10 years old, and underneath the car I found these cassettes, you know, and, and they were two, the, not the 9 o'clock news, the oh, two yeah. cassettes, and... And, I, and at that time, I used to just nick cassettes and put the tape over them so you can record on them, you know. Yeah. So, um, and, and, uh, and I said, you know, can I have these? And he goes, yeah, go on, you can have them. So I took them home. And I think they lied next to my, you know, my stereo for a while. And then one night I put them on, and, it, and I think the first thing I heard was Constable Savage. Yeah. Oh, God, it was just incredible. I was like, <laughs> whoa, what is this? And I remember listening to it every night. I'd go to bed with it every single night and yeah. I sort of grew up with a whole of that and, and Rowan. And then when you sort of... And what was great about that is because you see it on the radio and then you go, oh, my God, this is on the telly. Oh, I've got to go and find it on the telly now. And then you sort of see it and it's just... To see him as a performer and his physical rubber sort of face and everything in the... Perfect timing. It's like okay, great. So that's yeah. it, you know. Yeah, so you're a little bit younger than me. So not nine o'clock music for me was like the first time I knew about Monty Python. I'd heard the records, but I'd yeah. never really seen it. Uh, but then that that was the first one that was possibly for us. The young ones was really for me yeah, was the, the, was the, was the big one. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, I had those records, and yeah. yeah, it was I had the LPs. And oh wow! You, you'd scratch them trying to learn all the <laughs> right. all the songs. So, yeah, there was because there were things that weren't on the TV. There was that. Uh, I keep on singing it to myself, but the, uh, the thing about, I can't even remember what it's about, Kerry Packer and everything. There was a musical oh, about Kerry yes, Packer. the cricket Heath guy. Throw, now I'm on Deathrow. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Suddenly found... Sorry, I, wow. I, I, do, I, do, I do know it all off by heart for the same reasons as you, if I, I start to think about it. Um, 
Yeah, and it is interesting to, you know, I think that is the, the heart of the, of the British sitcom, certainly, the, certainly those broad appeal ones that I know you, you and your family laughed at. And it's interesting that there aren't many of those anymore. There's, that you don't, I think Ghosts may be the only yeah. sort of post-Citizen Khan family sitcom everyone can sit around and enjoy. But, uh, you know, I think that's the, the sort of power of those shows to, to bring everyone together, the... the yeah, yeah, I think, I think the, way, the way we watch TV is different now, isn't yeah. it? You know, everyone watches it. I mean, you can be in the same room, but everyone's watching it on four different screens, yeah. you know, and watching four different things. So uh, that's changed a lot. And I think comedy's changed slightly. I think, I think there's sort of there's a tendency that comedy has to be drama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, whereas actually, when you write comedy, you're writing drama anyway. You know, you've got to have drama in comedy. But, yeah. but I think it's changing. I've been speaking to a few commissioners now, and I think they're starting to realise that I think people want laughs again. So I think we, I think we might... Everything goes through cycles. Yeah. They all work out that all that drama stuff ain't working. So yeah. let's go back to good old fashioned good comedy. Uh oh. Uh, uh, what? Bad bad news uh, for me. Uh, uh, so what? it's going back for laughs. laughs. Um, no, but I did. I, I was thinking exactly that. I, was, I did uh, this week. I did uh, uh, Pappy's uh, Fat, Flat Chess Slam Down uh, podcast, and it's like a two hour long recording. It's just silly games, and, the, and the, it was just the most I've laughed in ages. And the audience for like two hours. Silly, silly stuff. These guys are brilliant. They're, they're great. I don't know if you know Pappy's Fun Club, but they're just really gel together. Three guys really gelling together. And I just thought, this is what comedy is, isn't it? It's yeah. like just three, two hours of just laughing yourself stupid yeah, yeah, exactly. about nothing sometimes. Sometimes you're laughing and you go, what am I even laughing about now? Yeah, exactly. And that, it doesn't happen that much with, you know, comedy's really gone in a different direction a, a lot, I think. To, but I think it will come back. I, you know, I think this idea of comedy being cool, can't, you, can't, you can't stay that for long. I think it, everything comes back in cycles. Yeah. It'll be back. We'll, we'll, we'll be back laughing be back. at people falling over again. Yeah. <laughs> and are you going to do more of Citizen Khan? I've heard yeah. there was television a film. Yeah, but... there's always, there's always been talk of a yeah. film, but, it, you know, very hard to pull off these days' films. You know, yeah. we're, things with Citizen Khan, we're kind of neither in that. Films at the moment, you're, they're either massive big budget, you know, or, or very, very low budget independent movies. And we're somewhere in the middle, so we're sort of finding that kind of hard to, to, to put together. But we haven't given up, and um, there are other things with, talking possibly about an animation now All right. uh, we've been approached to look at animation which i think is really interesting for someone yeah. like khan um and maybe through the perspective of some of the other characters uh, in the show because we've got you know great female cast and female characters in there so yeah we haven't given up you can't you can't get into khan just yet mate <laughs> right. yeah. hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But then, you know, again, since then, you've branched out into three or four different other jobs. Uh, I'm I'm interested in lingo. It's not something I've uh, I've, I've seen a lot of. Oh, great. um, It would take you 40 minutes. I love I mean, daytime quiz shows. I don't get shows. why people do this. Hang on a list. Why couldn't you just sort of yesterday just gone, rather than me watched, say, I haven't watched Lingo, why don't I just go episode. and watch Lingo? I've watched it. You, you said you, got, you, also, you, said you haven't watched it. I've, I've watched a bit of it. Rewind. Can I've you just rewind? What did he say? I've also played Wordle, so it's fine. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> he had to. He had to. I'm obsessed with Wordle. We came before Wordle. Well. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah. Always okay. come before Wordle. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's true. It is. Yeah. Richard Osman talks about lingo a lot <laughs> because me and Richard Osman have a big beef about uh, Wordle. He hasn't come on the podcast since we had this uh, discussion. I say you've got to play uh, hard rules on Wordle, or it's meaningless and pathetic. Right. There's people who go on Wordle and go, "Oh yes, I couldn't, I didn't know what it's going to be, so I just played a couple of words that use up lots of consonants." You go, "Yeah, that's fucking, that's how a child would play, mate." <laughs> you've got to try and do it without, you know, you, you've got to use what you've learned to, yeah. to do. Otherwise, there's nothing to do. Can we just talk about lingo instead? No, I, I want to talk about Wordle. It's the same. It's the <laughs> same. It's the same. Plug one. lingo. And he's talked about one. Wordle for the last minute. It's the same. Um, ITV three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm surprised I missed it. I, it's a shame I didn't have cancer while Lingo was on because I'd have watched it. I'd have watched nothing but right because uh, I was, I was, and it was, I was watching um, Tenable. I watched all of while well, I was in bed with cancer okay. and after chemotherapy. I watched Tenable. It's not something you want to watch. You know, right. it make, it makes cancer seem at least bearable. Is that it? <laughs> Is that because tenable sounds like ball? Was it sort of making you feel tenable? Is that what it was? Tenable. Testicle. Warwick Davis has got ten balls, has he? I've only got one. Um, It's a great show. Uh, If it had been on then, I'd watch it all the time. uh, I guess I'm working in the afternoons or something now. I don't know what's happened to me. Um, But... uh, (laughs) <laughs> you, do you do a celebrity version of it? Of, uh, there has been a celebrity version, uh, and that... Uh, <laughs> I wasn't the host. RuPaul was the host oh, for that. Yeah. yeah. Did okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not been recommissioned, uh, okay. unfortunately. <laughs> um, uh, but well, I really want to do a late-night version. I'm really too serious there. But I mean, Just with Kevin, swear words in yeah, it. Yeah, do a lingo, lingo late, you know, with the F word. Have, have Gillian Keegan coming on. That would be great, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would be fantastic. Off you go, Gillian, do your best. Uh, and do you, do you and Ben Shepherd argue about who's got the best I can't format? stand the guy. Yeah. I really can't stand him. He's a horrible, horrible man. <laughs> yeah. He really is. What I picked up. He's got short man syndrome. <laughs> you know, really is. Nasty. <laughs> nasty piece of work yeah. um, no he's great he pays my wages he's amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah it's actually his, it's his show that um, they don't own the format they bought the format and okay. then, but they, they did a very clever thing it, it actually used to be on many years ago people might remember it in the 80s uh, it was hosted by 
Paul Daniels' son called, I can't remember, is it not Phil Daniels? Something Daniels. Junior Martin. Daniel. Daniel Daniel? Dan- What's it? Martin, Martin, Martin Daniels. Martin Daniels. There you Daniel go. Daniels Daniel Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Daniels. Daniel Daniels. So Martin Daniels, uh, but it had, it had a sort of numbers part of the game as well, hence the bingo lingo thing. And then Ben looked at it and they all looked at it and said, oh, get rid of the numbers bit, let's just keep the words. And I think yeah. it was a great idea. Yeah, it's worked really well. And get, rid of, get rid of Daniel Daniels. Get rid of Daniel Daniels, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't know where he is now. Yeah, yeah what happened to Martin? Do you think he's sat at home going, bastard, Adel Ray? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think most people are. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> it's my Richard E. Grant moment. This one's not going out. I'm, I'm joking, of course. Um, how, so, how did the Good Morning Britain? I mean, you and Ben both do a game show, so that is possible, yeah. and you're both on Good Morning Britain. And it is, I can, you know, I understand uh, why they went, they went for you. I you can't. Are, I I still but, but it still is, I mean, you were initially like, the replacement for Piers Morgan, and you would not be my well, first thought. Go, who can we get who's a bit like Piers Morgan? <laughs> Fill that yeah. gap. Well, actually, to, to be honest, I wasn't the replacement for, for him. I, I was on before him. I was on for about a good year while he was on, but, but when he left, I uh, decided to get out of his chair and, and leave. Um, they just called me up and said, do you want to do more dates? I said, right. yeah, I'm very, very happy to do. So I ended up, look, it looked like I'd replaced him, but I'd been there already a year. But as I always said, the best thing about covering Piers Morgan is that you never have to meet Piers Morgan. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's fantastic, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a really interesting show, Good Morning Britain, because it's, you know, it's an entertainment show and it's light-hearted, you've got to, which obviously, you know, we can expect you to do. But you also have to interview political figures. You have to talk about very controversial subjects, some of which I'm sure you have uh, thoughts on, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. you express those thoughts. But, you know, you're, you're, you're obviously you've got to can retain balance there as well. It's yeah, absolutely. And it, and it, and it, is, it is always about being impartial. Um, you know, and it's a very difficult thing, impartiality at times, because really, you know, we are dealing with at the moment the government that's been in power for 13 years. That's an incredibly long period of time. Mm. They are accountable for almost everything around at the moment. You know? so, and it's very difficult to point that blame at the Labour Party other than ask them what they're going to do, and that's quite speculative. But we do do that, and, and that's important. So, really, it is our job to hold them accountable. Uh, and, uh, uh, and the other thing is, and I say to my team sometimes, is that I think just because Swala Braveman or Pretty Patel is making the refugee crisis or migrant crisis a political issue, that doesn't mean it is, I think. I, I think it's a humanitarian issue. It's, yeah. a, it's a human issue. It's looking after fellow human beings. And I think it's really important to, to put that point across. And I think... There's a, let's face it, there's a lot of people who don't agree with me, who have lots of column inches and have, have whole TV stations dedicated to that kind of narrative. So I think it's really important as a, a British Asian lad from Birmingham that um, I, I stand up for those, for those people too. You know? Yeah, I know you don't have to answer this, but if, how does it, you know, from coming from that community and coming from the same, almost exactly the same background as someone like that, how does it feel when you see them, you know, they, they're, they're essentially saying, you know, if, if, if this was a generation back, they're saying your parents... You mean some of these politicians? Some of these politicians you, you, are saying, like, uh, they're, they're, A, their own parents, but also it's weird when they're from the same community. It's so weird, saying. because just to point out, people don't realise, Swallow Braveman, Rishi Sunak and Pretty Patel, either both of their parents or one of their parents, in each case, came from East Africa. My mother came from East Africa, Kenya. When the, when the British 
decided that they were going to leave Kenya. General Kenyatta took back power. They, all the British uh, people there had to leave. Britain at the time said, we will take the white British. They refused to take the Asian British. Right. And, and there were protests. People said, no, this is not possible. You can't do that. They were threatening legal cases. At one point, they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll allow just 3,000. There was a visa scheme. And they said, well, that's not enough. There's tens, not even 100,000 there. They said, oh, well, can they go back to India or go back to Pakistan? I said, no, they're British. They've got British educations. They speak English. They want to continue in that, in, in that structure. They're going to English schools. And it's a similar situation now. Yeah. And, and, and had the protests not happened and had the government backed down, myself, Swala Braveman, Priti Patel, Rishi Sunak would not be in this country right now. So I find that remarkable, really, in many ways, because... The one thing I've always had in my head, no matter where you are in your career and what you do, and I, it's a quote, actually, from Jack Lemon, and he always says this thing, I always quote it, is, send the elevator back down. You yeah. know, send, because it's those old American elevators, right? The, you know, that you, in those days, you had to flick a button before it goes back down. Yeah. Send the elevator. So when I look at them and say, you've, you, you've achieved, forget what party you are, forget your politics, but you've achieved the highest point in the political structure... And the very people like you who need your help 30, 40 years later from the, you know, from the time that you were in, you're turning your back on them? I find that really, really hard. So that is it. That's just incredible. I, from my point, from, if I was them, you'd think, you know, the people who I'm representing and the, the party that I'm representing, the people who are the, the white people who are going along with, the, you know, the anti-immigration thing, they don't like me, you know, they, they only like me because I'm agreeing with them and because yeah, I'm an yeah. acceptable face, you know, I, it gives an acceptable face to that if, if someone well, of it, that the, background the, is... The, the thing about the Conservative Party, it's quite interesting, isn't it? All the, all the, peop- the, the, the um, politicians of colour that have succeeded are all on the anti-immigration side yeah. of the debate. Yes. Uh, so that tells you, you know, uh, quite a lot. Now, look, I mean, it's, the jury's still out, actually, whether they have got the gauge of the nation. I think there are sort of... I think there's a lot of people out there who have got a lot of sympathy for, you know, refugees and migrants, and they want a, a system that works, a system that's right. Um, and, and, I, and I do wonder whether this rhetoric of that they're criminals and, and we're scared of them and we don't want any of them is, is, is actually what most of the population think. I, I, I doubt that's the truth. Well, the I don't really. think it is. I, you yeah. know, I think that's... If it was, they're, they're hoping that that will lead to electoral success. It doesn't yeah. seem to be. It, seems to, it doesn't seem to be enough. Right. Even horrible racists are thinking, no, yeah, but come on. <laughs> the rest of it's too much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think most but you know, most people, it's a horrible situation and most people don't like the idea of dead people coming up on, on beaches, you know. They, and, and, yeah, historically, the people who've, like, propagated those kind of things haven't been the nicest people uh, in history. They don't, history doesn't serve them well. That, that's right, <laughs> yes. Yes, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but look, you know, there are people from all kinds. I think uh, the great, I've talked about Mr. Khan. I mean, Mr. Khan was actually quite anti-immigration at the time. He, <laughs> he didn't want, you know, all these Eastern Europeans coming over here, to come over, coming over here, taking our jobs, jobs meant for us Pakistanis, you know. So, <laughs> and actually, that's, there, is actually, there are people like that. So perhaps, you know, Swella Braven pretty represent that, that side of person as well. There are people out there who are very worried about their their place in, in the city, their place in society, and worried about anybody new coming in. So yeah. how does that be? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it is a, it's a human thing... Yes. Uh, ..to be cautious and to be scared of things that they don't know and they don't understand. But, yeah, you're exactly right about uh, the, um, 
you know, the Afghanistan situation is like people that... that look, I mean, look, I think all it needs is a system that works, right? That's all, yeah. that's all everyone's asking for, is you yeah. know, to pile them up in hotels, just put more people into the, into the, uh, into the home office and just get the system working. Those that are, have a right to stay here, great. Those that aren't, no, you can't. And I think yeah. everyone accepts that, but get the system working. But instead, you know, we create what look like fires, don't we? So we point at that fire for a while. Look at that over there. Yeah. Yeah. Look at them over there. And I think that's... You know, that's perhaps some people might say part of the strategy. Yeah. And when you are interviewing notable, like, big... big I, you know, I just end up entertaining, like, rubbish, like, entertainment people. But when you're, when you're interviewing... <laughs> when are you doing when, that when next? You're interviewing... when's, when's that? When's that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Joe Lysett's coming uh, up next week. And uh, it's... Um... <laughs> You know, is, is, that, is that a difficult thing to do? How much sort of prep are you able to do? And, and uh, is it intimidating to be sort of faced with the very people that, you, you know, that you're, you're talking about? Well, I, to interview? I, you know, when I first started, it was, a, it was intimidating. It's like, my gosh, all right, you're with Susanna and Kate and, you know, they're great journalists. I mean, they're doing it for 20-odd years. So it's, it is intimidating, but, but really um, you, we get lots of briefs from our team overnight and stuff. And... And if you're plugged into the news, and often it's just very simple questions, you know, just really simple. And, and I've sort of done, do that thing of stick to one or two key points and, yeah. and, and wait for an, a, an answer, you know, and that's the key thing. And, and I have to say, that, you know, we've talked a lot about the Conservatives, but the same with the Labour Party as well. You yeah. know, I have to say, when we talk about migration, there isn't, doesn't appear to be an absolute clear policy at times from them, you know. So, and I think sometimes they do similarly to the Conservatives, worry about election coming up and what, what is a popular thing to say yeah. and what they can and can't say, particularly when it comes to things like Brexit. So, you know, with both parties, you know, we sort of... I sort of think, well, just stick to a couple of really key issues that I think um, the public really want to know about. Yeah. yeah. And you get on Twitter, and, and, and you sort of respond to it, you get a lot of shit from people on Twitter. Yeah. Is that you? Uh, it is mainly to, me. I, I, uh, mainly I me. Have, I have wondered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's mainly about lingo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, ma- it's mainly... <laughs> Where's Daniel Daniels? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Um, but you, you, you sort of confront it. And I, I do this. I've, I've done the same. I've, I've sort of... I've taken to sort of responding to trolls. I don't think the trolls that I get are in the same ballpark as the ones you're getting, I have no. to say. But do they, do they tell you to f off back to you where you came from? Yeah, they, they want me to go back to Somerset. No, uh, no, basically, no, no. <laughs> um, they don't. No, no. so they, you know, it's not it's not the, the same thing at all. But uh, but it is interesting to engage. I think, and you you do engage. Yeah, I do, and I I, I sort of you know I had it, I, I've had it sort of from Citizen Khan days as I had lots of people sort of claiming, oh, this is racist, or oh, what you shouldn't have a tele- show on the telly, and. And I did find actually, and I sometimes you engage with people, and often I feel that you know racism is such a weird thing, isn't it? It's such a weird. You know, if you look at it and you go, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Cut someone's colour of their skin, and you're going to go, "I just hate them for it," or yeah. because of their religion, I just hate them for it. I hate them all just because you've read one story or a few stories about some bad Muslims. That's it. You're going to talk. It's, it's so odd. So I often feel like if you engage, you know, yeah. that the, that can make a big difference. And one out of ten times that might happen. And depending on what kind of mood I'm in, I think it's, sometimes it's worth doing that. You know, yeah. I, 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 it goes back to a story with my dad, actually. When we lived in Yardley and, um, and we've moved into the nicer house, you know, um, and... and we got a knock on the door and it was the neighbour next door and John sort of knocked on the door and says... Can I speak to your dad? It's like, yeah, right, yeah. 
dad, it's the neighbour. And his like, dad comes out and he goes, yeah, can I help you? He goes, yeah, he's like, can I come, come go to your back garden immediately? And he comes to the back garden and he goes, you know the curry smell coming from your fan? It goes straight into my garden there. And when my wife's sunbathing, it just sort of puts her off a bit. Dad's like, oh, my God, I don't believe that. It's like, you know, you're not going to believe it. It's a complete coincidence when you're doing your bacon and sausages and my <laughs> wife, somebody, puts her off too. And I, and I remember that as a little kid going, that's funny, you know. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I'm laughing, ah, hey, John, you twat, you know. It's like, you know. <laughs> and, and it was great. And they actually both had a bit of a laugh yeah. and they just sort of shrugged it off and they went, oh, all right then, you know. <laughs> and I thought that was great. And it reminded me that I, I don't think John, John wasn't racist. He wasn't, he wasn't, he, he just, he felt he was doing the right, he just wasn't a bit unfamiliar with this smell. Probably it was a new smell. It was slightly yeah. annoying him. You know, I remember sort of months later, they knock on the door and going, are you cooking that curry again? Can we have some? You know, so things change. You know, and when we left that, they were loving. They actually, by the time that we left that house, they were Uncle John and Auntie Gladys. And Auntie Gladys was on the steps crying, not wanting us to leave, you know. Because yeah. I think she thought it was going to be a house of Romanians moving in next. You know, so... <laughs> But you know, it, yeah. but all of these, all of these things, where people are suspicious of a group, of, you're exactly right. Yeah. The idea, I mean, it's sort of the, the, what gets me is the laziness of it of going. I'm just gonna. Oh, this is easy. I'll just hate all the people who are. Or all, I know. Who it's... all look like this or, or think like this or do this. So it's you know, it's it's you've got to get to know people. But and then then, but, you, then you, know, you can but, think they're pricks, right? That's you know, right. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you get to know them, like, oh, they t- it turns out that my next door name's yeah, no, exactly. And the sad thing is, they've, they've been made angry, haven't they? They've been yeah. made angry. They watch yeah. certain things and they'll read certain things and that herring podcast and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they... Well, you've changed my mind. I, I, <laughs> I came in here with a very strong view. Well, you know, but how, many, how many Asian friends have you got? Um, I've got a few of those. Uh, oh, yeah, name yeah. them. Come on. I've got a, oh, well, come on. Shafiq or Sandy. Oh, yeah. Paul really, Sinner, oh. oh, yeah. Are they really um, your friends or people who've been Satish Patel was my best friend. He's making it up. I'm now. not Satish Patel, was my best friend at. Um, I, went to, I went to junior school in Loughborough. Right. Um, in Leicestershire. Uh, and all of my friends were Asians there, and I was very upset, and I loved it. Actually, yeah. this, is another, this is a good example of what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I loved being in class with Asian people because when they had their birthday, they would bring in all these amazing treats. Right. And, you know, and it was their birthday, but they brought in sweets and, you know, cakes and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. And I'd love to meet Satish Patel again, but if you Google Satish Patel, it, it's quite hard to find the specific one yeah, that was right. at Compton <laughs> in 1976. And he's, prob- he's probably got diabetes now anyway, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope he's still around, Satish. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so, you know, I, yeah. I've got, I'm, you know... I, yeah. My fr- I'm my friend Andrew Mallet. Asia's a big place. You're Andrew what? Andrew Mallet, he's Asian. Andrew Mallet, you're making yeah. it up. Andrew uh, Mallet. Andrew Mallet, his dad's English. Andrew Mallet was Asian. I did, it was Andrew Mallet. I did, he's the, I did a show called Hitler Moustache, uh, where, I, where I grew a Hitler Moustache for a year, just to see what it was like. You did a show called Hitler Moustache. Uh, I did, yeah. And you had an Asian <laughs> mate called Andrew Mallet. Yeah, and Andrew Mallet, yeah. and I, there was a routine in it where I could never remember where his mum was from. Right, uh, and then that led to me coming with the idea with the with the I think the, one of the best standard routines I've done about how racists are closer to seeing everyone in the world as the same than liberals because right. they basically see only sort of two types of people. 
<laughs> so they're just one away, whereas yes. we're, I'm 194 away from, say, because I could never remember if his, his mum was from China or Singapore or Indonesia, you know, it was China. Oh. Uh, I, I, he's told me many times, and finally it stuck. Uh, so, yeah, so, so yeah, I've got, a lot, I've got a lot of Asian friends. Asia's big, it's easy to have Asian friends. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I've got, yeah. I haven't got any black friends. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd get there. So that's why you just stick to two points, key points. You get there in the end. This is great stuff, this is. Yeah. My glasses are falling uh, apart. Yeah, he's panicking now, look. His glasses are falling off. Sweating, my... ladies and gentlemen. Shaking. So I, I think, like, part of the reason that... Uh, changing the subject, you see? Change the subject. Part it's the what reason... they all do. You, you've managed to remain a single man, it seems, into, you know, you're... you're, you're getting personal. You're getting on. You're getting on. You look young, but you're, <laughs> you're nearly as old as I am. You're not quite as old as I am. Yeah. Uh, and so that, you know, it gives you this... Uh, not having a family, as far as I'm aware. Yes. Uh, kids and your own children. Yeah. That, gives you, that gives you, like... I mean, it's terrible. You've made the right choice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't do a fucking thing. Uh, it's very difficult to get out of the house. Is that... Is that why you do the tour? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it finally is. I've actually... Yeah. You know, I've, I, I enjoyed being with my family in lockdown and then extended lockdown a little bit and haven't been touring too much, so it is nice to be back on the road. But uh, I actually... I almost missed them, and it's only day one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that... Uh, is, is that something... I heard you talking to James O'Brien and saying it's something you... You maybe thought you would like. Are you to have coming a on to me? Yeah, well, you're, no. le- you're slightly I, you, leaning back at you the same and I, time, f- flicking your hair. I don't what think you, you and I can. Well, I suppose we can find ways. <laughs> we can mix. Yeah. We can mix it together, can't yeah, we? And yeah. find someone to impregnate yeah. with. We'll be no. able to tell who yeah. it is, though. <laughs> I've, no, I've, I've never dated a racist. It'll be fine. It'll be, be interesting. Uh, Give a little frisson. Yeah. <laughs> Opposites attract. Yeah. Um, if, only, if, only they did. if only they did. Maybe that's the answer. If we all just fuck a racist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Might just be easier. Maybe they're right. Yeah. <laughs> this is something you would ask women and the men never get asked. Uh, yeah. sorry, and that's why I'm asking you. What's the question? Would I like would to you have, like, would, would I like to have your re- children? Do, no? do you want to... Do you, is having a family something you would like? Um, it, yes, I, I, I would. You know, yeah. I, I, I think I absolutely would. I think it's a, a lovely... Lovely thing to do, you know, to have children, and it's great. But I'm going to be 50 next year, yeah. so you know, I do wonder. I've probably got it the wrong, wrong way around. <laughs> if I do find someone, it's going to be, you know, incredibly challenging because I'd want to be a, a, a proper father and really, you know, play my part and everything. And and crikey, you know, it means I'm like 55, 60, taking you know, little Andrew Mallet to the yeah. park, you know. Um, well, that's how I might. Yeah. I, might so I had my second. My second when I was 50. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so, oh, you did? Yeah. Right. Okay, how was that? How was that? Was I mean, it was, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got two. Having yeah. two under five, uh, and when you're in yeah. your mid-50s is... is yeah, no, it's not like I would, but, but at the same time, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm still looking for my soulmate, and, you know, if she doesn't want to have children, maybe can't have children, we don't want to have children, then so be it. You know, yeah. I think I'm not trying to think too far ahead, really. You no. Know? Yeah, I can always take take yours off you. For yeah, all, you can you know. come and have yeah. my kids. Yeah, <laughs> anytime you yeah. like. Yeah. You seem all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's basically that was, that was the interview. It's, it's, great, yeah. it's basically yeah. what yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah. Like your kids, your friend, someone from your school. Go, do you kid? Do you want out your kids to come around for a sleepover? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you seem all right. 
But like, if they see that's something that's changed. In the old days, you wouldn't have even thought about it, my would you? Mom, you wouldn't, you wouldn't I remember, I remember my mum, bless her, she, uh, passed away now a, lot, a few years ago. But she was telling me this story, very lightheartedly telling me this story, sort of laughing about it, sort of going, oh, yes, you know, there was a man who um, drove trucks and he lived up the road. And often he'd sort of knock on the door and said, can I take little Adol with me? I'm off, I'm, I'm off to Southend-on-Sea. I'll be back by the evening. And off you'd go. Like, what? <laughs> In a man's truck to Southend-on-Sea? Yes, you come back and... Did I say anything when you came back? No, you were very quiet. No? <laughs> And she'd been laughing away. <laughs> like, Mama, you know, all right, fair enough, great. Yeah. That's actually true, I can't believe it. But, you know, maybe it was perfectly innocent. Well, know? I think so, probably, you know, people are so untrusting now. Some people in the audience are going, geez, that's not perfectly innocent at all. <laughs> but it's, you know, people yeah. trusted people in those days, and like most of the time, you'd turn out, it would turn out to be okay. Most people are good, you know. Yes. Most people, are, luckily, aren't pedophiles. Yeah. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know. We're the, touching the, some real big subjects here today, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> But yeah, but we tr- but you do as a parent, you do start. You sort yeah. of think everyone could, you know. And I don't think our parents well, it's did like, that. It's like the thing about um, getting the bus to school. I don't know how many kids do the bus to school. I'm amazed yeah. how many parents drop their kids off at school now. You right, know, in a yeah. car. You know, well, it's, I, I remember I went from Birmingham, Yardley to Handsworth. Our first day at school, my cousin was with me as well. He's here today, right? I mean, both of us. Our first day at school was the day after the Hansworth riots. Right. People, yeah. right? Mama said, there's the bus stop, off you go. <laughs> what? You know, that place we've just seen on the telly last night, boarded up with lots of people, angry people, you know, trying to, you know, stab the police and the police hitting them over the head with stuff. And yeah, yeah. We are, we are going there. See, yes, you're going there, there's the bus stop. And it's like... Wow, and, that, and that's what we did then, and that yeah. was uh, and that was it. You know. I don't think our parents liked us. I think it's <laughs> just. <laughs> I went. Well, my mum certainly didn't. She uh, sent me to Southend on Sea with the weirdo. There was, you know. Yeah. Um, I used to, you know, I went hitchhiking when I was eighteen. I was such a naive eighteen-year-old. Yeah. I'm like, I, c- I can't believe that I did that. I know. I know. I absolutely. So it's, it's. Is that still a thing? You don't see many hitchhikers at all no, now. Do you? They're all dead. They've all been killed. <laughs> In fact, you know, I'm slightly, slightly upset that the, they threw me back. For, <laughs> yeah, we don't want that little chubby one. Fuck him. <laughs> don't want to waste our time killing him. Um, <laughs> uh, well, look, I, we'll, we, we'll briefly talk about the acting part of your uh, career, which is uh, exactly Bridge, which, which uh, is that that's that's done that's over Ackley Bridge, right? Yeah, I, I was in the. First two series of that. I think they did three series, right. and then and then and then it ended on Channel Four. But it was, that was great. I loved yeah. doing that. Yeah, it was a great great show. That was, that was um, not long after Citizen Khan. I was sort of worried, going, oh, okay, will I get another acting job? Will I get sort of typecast as he's the guy who does Citizen Khan? But luckily, you don't because no one really knew what I looked like. <laughs> yeah, so it was perfect. So yeah, get to getting getting that role was yeah. great fun. Yeah, and Blythe Spirit. So this is where you acted with Judy Dent. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's good, but get, see, I would just think, I mean, you, know, you, you have acted, but Citizen Calm is your first acting job, so yes. you've done some acting. Yeah, I, but, I, I, uh, I know. But then in your, you know, fourth or fifth job, whatever, to I be acting alongside Judy Dench. I was crapping myself. You know, my first scene was with Dame Judy Dench on right. the first day, and we're on the stage. It's the opening scene of the movie, I think, pretty much. 
and you know you've got Dan Stevens up in the boxes. You know they just all he's got he's like in the audience. I've got Dan Stevens literally looking at me, you know from a box. I'm on the stage and I'm with Dame Judi Dench. It's like oh my god, you know. And Judy's got the first line I think, and then I come on after her or I say something from backstage, and she gets her line wrong, and I'm like thank fuck for that. <laughs> It was great. And she was so lovely. You know, she came to me after and she goes, I did that for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I said, sure you did. You're just shit. You know? so, <laughs> uh, but no, she was absolutely, she's literally, I don't know a lot of people, but it's like sitting there with your mum or your aunt. She's just a lovely, lovely woman. And yeah. she's just made everyone feel so, so welcome. It was just great. Yeah. 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 And do, do, do you ever, because, you know, you, You've worked very, very hard. I can see this, and you've been, and you've, and what you've done is just thrown yourself into stuff, which I think is the secret of acting as well. By the way, I think like a lot of things with acting, you think I could never do that job, but actually, I think good actors just go, "I'm taking the job, and then I'll work out if I can do it later." Just just really, Uh, really work hard. But that's what that's sort of how you've lived lived your life, and it and and does does it. Do you sometimes take a step back and think, you know, what, and realise what you've achieved? And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and more so recently, I think. Sort of take back and go, look, you know, you've done all right here, you yeah. know, and sort of... I think there is always that, there's that worry. that we, we do have imposter syndrome, don't you? You kind of go, oh, you know, and you're having to try to get approval all the time and all of that, and all of that still exists, and you, you worry about the future in our jobs because, you yeah. know, we don't have pensions and long-term contracts. You just don't know what happens, and... You know, um, so, so yeah, you do worry about that. But I think lately I have been looking back and going, gosh, you know, if this is everything you've done, then you've got to be really grateful. And, and I, I've set up a production company yeah, now, a small production company, and, and the, our main focus is, um, is trying to help new writers. And, and, you know, and it's really tough. It's probably, probably the worst time to set up a production company at the moment because there's less things getting produced and there's less money in advertising and the streamers are cutting their budgets down. But we're still focused. We've got no, we're going to, you know, so we've got about, you know, we have got some experienced writers and working with some projects as well, but, but really keen to work with, work with new writers. So I'm sort of now thinking, right, okay, just, just take a step back a little bit and, and help, trying to help others. That'd be yeah. important. Yeah. The, and, yeah. Send the LA, get them to go and earn some money for me. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's, it's yeah. a good thing, but, you know, it is, it is I don't know, I, I, like I said, I just can't think of anybody who would, who could straddle all those different jobs that, that you're doing and be successful? I can see people that give it a go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I mean, I'm trying to think, but yeah, I mean, you know, James Corden maybe can sort of do most things. Yes. I don't know if he could do GM. I don't know if he could do GMB though. I think he probably could. I think he'd be all right. I think you know. Yeah, maybe. maybe. But I mean, no, that's yeah. It's not. I mean, you know, he's not popular, but yeah. he's. But it's not about. He's good, a bit though. Fair. Quite just um, someone made a very unpleasant. I mean, it might have been. Some, it might have been James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's that. It, you know, it is. It is. It's really remarkable. And you know, I knew a lot about you, but I think it's it, what's really interesting about my job doing this is when you really look into the lives of the people you're talking to. You yeah. go, oh fuck yeah, this is why this person's successful. Yeah. I think it's that thing of sort of you know being <clears throat> being British Asian or being a Brummie. Sort of you know you feel like you're, you're away. From, you're not part of anything. You're not part of London. You sort of and it's like well, you constantly get told you can't do something. And I, I, what then motivates me is going well, two fingers to that. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know I'm going to try and do it. You know what? You know just because somebody says you can't do it, and you, you know try and do it. And also I remember somebody gave me a sort of lesson a long time ago is that you know. If you think about handing in a script or something, like the people in this audience will have a script, like script idea, like I did, and 
And you always think, oh, no, I won't send it in. I bet they get loads of scripts. And I remember when Citizen Khan got commissioned, Danny Cohen, the controller of BBC One at the time, said to me, actually, it's, it's actually a bit of a myth. We don't get as many as people think because right. most people think there's lots going in, so then actually not that many people send them in. So those that send them in are actually giving themselves a really good chance of getting a script read. So that really stuck with me, actually. They were actually, you know, just give yourself a chance. And, you know, and it was, but my first script would have been terrible. It would have been awful, but got other people to help me along the way. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, if you don't send it in, it definitely won't get read. So you might as well... <laughs> If you send it in, it might get read. It probably yeah. will get... No, they do. People are... De- I think especially with writers, people are desperate to find good writing voices and new writers. So, you know, that is, that is a way through. You need a, you need a lot of luck, and I've had a lot of luck. You need a producer who sort of looks at that and says, OK, I can tell that's very green. He's not, he's not the best writer, but he's got a, an idea. Yeah. What happens if I put him with, you know, a couple of seasoned writers, experienced writers, and a producer? How does that work? You know, yeah. so I think that's kind of, you know... Well, there we go. It? Just get out there and do it. The problem is you say that, but no, it, there's still a very limited number of places. <laughs> so if everyone does it, yes. they, they won't all manage to become <laughs> successful. <laughs> Believe me, I'm one of the ones who sends in scripts. And <laughs> people say, oh, yeah, we, we, lost, we lost that one. Um, oh, and you, you, I, I should have said up front, you're, we haven't had many OBEs in, the, in this uh, right. podcast, but you are an OBE as well. I am, yeah. I... I still think the palace are going to call me up one day and say, I'm sorry, there's been a terrible mistake. <laughs> we meant to give it to Art Malik, you know. <laughs> um, but that hasn't happened. Uh, but that was, it was, it was great. I, you know, and I know it's whatever like everyone says, but I did it for my mum, really, and mum and dad, and um, took them both to the palace. And my brother came along as well. And it was just, you know, with everything, you think of them as children of empire, what they've seen, dad's stories of partition, mum's stories of being in Kenya. So, you know, they would have never have thought in a million years that they would step foot inside something called Buckingham Palace, you know. So, so that, it was a great moment for them. And, um, and <laughs> great stories. Like, so on the way there, you can find out in the morning who's going to be giving you the, the, the award. And I found out in the morning, and, and it was Prince William. And okay. so I was like, I love that. I'm a Villa fan. I, you know, yeah. I think it's great. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about Aston Villa. It'd be fantastic. So I told my mum, and she goes, oh, okay, that's great, you know. And then, and then we sort of got the OBE, and it was fantastic. We were there for a couple of hours, and I come out, and she goes, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. Like, what? Yeah, it was okay. But you have to get a knighthood now. What the hell? <laughs> what? So we can meet the Queen. I was like, crikey. She was upset that she wasn't the Queen. So she goes, a typical Asian mother. It's like, you know, okay, you're a doctor. Can you be a dentist too as yeah. well? You know, so. You, you know. should have said at least it wasn't Prince Andrew. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You've done okay. He will be king one day, Prince William. So that's yes, that's, yes. You know that's still absolutely that still is pretty good. Yeah. Look, Adil, it's been so great to meet you, oh, and it's been lovely, uh, lovely. I really enjoyed talking to you. And you've really made. I've got a few things to think about about my lifestyle choices. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you haven't convinced I, me entirely, but yeah. it's yeah. You've, yeah. Well. Um, is there anything coming up that you want to mention? Is there anything new coming up that you can talk well, about? Well, um, when does this go out? When um, this go out? Beginning of October. Beginning of October. Well, The Inheritance on Channel 5, which has just um, been on and, and done remarkably well. The producers told me it was the, the biggest 
drama launch on Channel 5 in its history. So that's on uh, currently, and it will be on, on iPlayer. Um, just about to do... A, uh, I've just done a movie which will be out on Sky with uh, Diane Keaton and Lulu, which has been lovely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Get this. Get this. <laughs> I play Lulu's love interest. Work Whoa. that out. Work that out. She's the same age as my late mother. Work that out. <laughs> Work that out. Still, you've got to yeah. go there with yeah. Lulu. You've got to... Yeah. So it was it Jason Orange? One of the take that boys had a go. <laughs> she's actually a lovely, lovely woman. She's, yeah, I've she's, met Lulu yeah. a couple of times, yeah. and I'm, I don't... Yeah, Diane Keaton, arsehole. But, you know... Yeah. Yeah, it's that, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's very excellent. We'll have to get back on to talk about uh, that movie. Yeah. There isn't time to talk about it now. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Birmingham's Adil Ray, ladies and gentlemen. Thank Never you very up. much. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Come back next week in about 20 minutes. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Adil Ray. Scant regard produced this music. I'm indebted to my producer and director, Chris Evans. Not that one or that one. Thank you to George. Thank you to Bex. Thank you to everyone at Birmingham Town Hall. Uh, thank you to my mum and dad. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening. Do come and see me on tour. RichardHerring.com gigs is the easiest way to find out where I'm going. And gofasterstripe.com, you can buy books and downloads. And just tell your friends about the podcast. If you can't make it to the tour show, if you don't want to buy any products, then every time you listen to an advert, you're helping us make more podcasts with a very, very tiny micro payment. So thank you very much for that. I love you all. It's lovely to meet you on tour, by the way. Hello to everyone who's said hello so far. I do come and say hello after the show if you enjoyed it, if you want to see me. That'd be nice. You can get a selfie. 
I don't care. I'm a selfie whore. All right, see you soon.